Welcome back to The Road to Qatar. I'm your host, Ritik Sarkar, and we're here at the final leg where we've reached the final of the FIFA World Cup 2022 in Qatar. It's Argentina versus France. It's destiny versus a record. We're here with Jeremy Gimagan, host of the Castellanius podcast on BTL. Jeremy, it's been a long journey, and I would say France has surprised me. Could you, could you feel the same way at all? I'm, I'm glad they've surprised you. Thanks for having me, uh, Ritwik. Look, it's been a long journey, but it's been a happy journey for us uh, Frenchies. I was on your pod before the World Cup, and, and you asked me who's going to win, and, and I vouched for my team. So I'm not going to say that they surprised me. I expected them to get some good results. The way they've did it is, uh, I guess, is arguably not the easiest way to get where they are. But, uh, but yeah, I'm happy to see them in final, and hopefully we, we get over that last hurdle and... Uh, you know, two in a row, it's been a while since the team has won two World Cup in a row. So hopefully we are the one to uh, to rekindle with that kind of victory. Yeah, it's been it's been over 40 years since the last back-to-back World Cup winners happened. And given, given the low number of winners in this World Cup, that always strikes me as a surprising statistic. But just um, as a reminder to everybody, France came into this tournament depleted in a very, very strange way. They first lost um, Presnel Kimpembe, one of their, you know, the stalwarts in um, the defensive structure. Yes, he's been having an off season, but he is still a constant in the French team. They lost both of their most powerful and effective midfield presences. Arguably the two best players in the last World Cup winning team in Paul Pogba and N'Golo Kante. They also lost their Ballon d'Or winning uh, striker Karim Benzema, who'd been sensationally recalled by Didier Deschamps for the last Euros, where he did perform remarkably well. And in addition to that, Jeremy, I think the one person that people sort of forget when they look at, you know, Mbappe and Giroud scoring, I believe, nine goals in between them and, um, you know, a host of supporting characteristics putting in those extra goals is Christopher Nkunku who was, yeah. I would say, one of the best performers of the Bundesliga last season. He had been having a good season so far. And his injury really rocked France because it robbed them of that... They robbed him of that special attacking characteristic, that edge from the central position that you probably don't get with a Giroud or a Benzema, given their advanced ages. But that's all led to a situation where Deschamps has had to readjust. And tactically... I feel he doesn't get enough credit. You know, we talk about the brilliant squad he had last time, but you can have brilliant squads and still fail. Whereas last, um, well, last time around, you had supporting characters, characters like Corton Toliso, um, Musa Sissoko, Stephen Nzonzi, all these great stalwarts in midfield who could, at a, you know, at a finger snap, come in and uh, arrest um, a decline or bring forward a game. But this time it's different, and I don't see a lot of chatter about that, given that Didier Deschamps has reached a second World Cup final. This team feels different. This team feels fundamentally different, and I feel that Deschamps is probably not getting, you know, the, the due plaudits he deserves. Is, is that the feeling that's sort of coming around uh, in France as well? Yeah, I think we're, we're slowly... All the people who would criticize Didier Deschamps for this type of football that France is playing are slowly coming around and just sort of like, you know, understanding that whatever he does, he wins. So, you know, sure, when you have the talent that France has, you would hope that 
they were playing like you know I don't know, like peak Spain in, in 2010 or 2012, where uh, they are the one in with possession and, and they are the one actually creating the football. But it's not how Deschamps plays. It's not how he wants to play. This is not how he built his group either. Uh, but, but to your point of, you know, the I guess the lack of depth a little bit in that team due to the injuries and due to, you know, maybe just not, not the experience that Deschamps likes to have in the middle of the park. It's true that I think in, in 2018, you could say that the group that won the World Cup was a group of, you know, 18, 19 players because a few of them were coming in. But in 2022, it's a group of 13 players, really, uh, that, that are in there. I mean, we saw it against England, only Kingsley Coman got in at, like, with two minutes left. Uh, and against Morocco as well, the, the change of Giroud was motivated by the issues uh, on the left side defensively, which Griezmann talked about as well in his press conference after the game. Uh, so really, Deschamps is only counting on his starting 11 plus three or four. The injury that you mentioned, uh, I think Nkunku, like you said, is probably one that is not discussed enough because Nkunku was Griezmann's replacement, basically the, the player who can play between the midfield and the, and the front three and that can help in more ways than one. Um, so losing him has thrown the spanner in the works for Deschamps. Uh, losing, of course, Lucas Hernandez very early on has, has forced Deschamps to sort of reinvent himself. Like he wasn't expecting to play with, with Theo, who's a very offensive left back. He likes to have his four defenders to be all centre-back so that they can hold defensively well. And he didn't have that. And yet, he, I think he adapted very well. I think he's shown the rest of the world that is, despite the talent that he has, what he also have is a very good understanding of his opponents and he's always going to try and field the best team and the best tactics to try and throw the opponent off, knowing that with Giroud, with Mbappé, with Dembélé, with Griezmann, the chances are coming. There's no way France doesn't get chances into a game and then those guys are lethal up front. So I think that's his, that's his main tactic. You know, some BSD coaches has been, have been criticized in the past for relying too much on the firepower up front, but Deschamps is kind of doing that while also telling those those younger players, the Chouameni, the, the Fofana, the Konate, the Upamecano, that they are good enough to hold against any team. Um, so I agree that Deschamps needs to be applauded. I think I don't think we've ever seen such such a winner in probably the history of the game, you know, Champions League as players, Champions League as coach. Uh, oh, wait, no, not Champions League as coach, sorry, Championships as coach. But yeah, but as a player, Euro as a player, World Cup as a player, World Cup uh, as a coach, it's, it's insane the amount of winning this guy has in his career. Um, so I think he's, he's turning the minds of some French people around because we all are happy to criticize the way we play football. We, we don't play very attractive football. We just play to win. But at the end of the day, it's a World Cup, right? And and no one remembers who finished third, fourth, fifth or seventh at the World Cup. You remember the winner. So so Deschamps is here to do that job. Uh, and yeah, whether it was against Morocco just then or against Poland or even against Denmark, I think tactically uh, he's offered us the, the broad range of what he can do with his squad. Uh, and it's worked perfectly. That that actually brings me to a very interesting point. You know, you touched upon earlier. It's 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 sort of whereas you look at the the team that Argentina has, barring Di Maria and Leo Messi, 
I don't think that there was a single other player in that Argentine squad that was there eight years ago in that final against Germany. Nicolas Otamendi didn't even make the squad. He was there in the 2010 World Cup as a right back, but there is an experience factor that people are not accounting for. When you have people like Hugo Lloris, you have people like Rafael Varane, you have Olivier Giroud, you have you know, Kingsley Coman in the wings, Mbappe, and then most importantly, Antoine Griezmann. These are players who literally played the last World Cup. They played the final. They played Croatia, a dogged team. And they actually dominated large stretches of that game. I know people say the scoreline at the end flattered the French, but you create your own luck. And that's where I see France really having that edge over Argentina. Argentina do have momentum on their side, but boring football aside, there is another thing that I don't think people are talking enough about is that Argentina have struggled a lot in this tournament. They've had to go to extra time and penalties to win two games before. They lost a game against Saudi Arabia where they were sort of, you know, systematically taken apart by just better pressing. And it was it was strange not to see that tactic that Saudi Arabia employed not being employed by other teams. And whereas you look at France, every single game has ended in regular time. And it's ended in a way that, you know, people aren't really concerned about the result. Yes, those first 15 minutes against Morocco were, you know, very scary. I was fully expecting after after Lucas Hernandez had scored the goal that Morocco would come back instantly. The way they pressed, the intensity with which they did so really worried me uh, for France. But at the end of the day, they've won all their games. I mean, barring the loss against Tunisia, where they played a, you know, admittedly a C team. But it's it was it was it's it's quite it's quite interesting to see France have not made it that hard for themselves even against England, where you had the likes of you know Mbappe and Dembele sort of controlled by the English fullbacks uh, and midfielders in a sense. Didier Deschamps was completely happy to let that happen because that gave atten- too much attention to those players where the fullbacks could push up, Griezmann could come into space, and you know finish the game off with a plum. And I feel like Argentina's midfield, as dogged as it is, with the likes of uh, McAllister, Enzo, Paredes, and even Messi playing on between, I don't think that... I would hope that Lionel Scaloni is prepared for that, but I feel like Argentina are playing their own game and, you know, forcing the result as best as they can through sheer will and, you know, moments of brilliance. Whereas France have waited, waited, looked for the opportunity, countered and succeeded. And at the centerpiece of all of this is Antoine Griezmann, is that how crucial has his role been? I know that it is not one that he plays very often. I know that it is one that, you know, he's sort of molded himself into game by game. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, the influence that Antoine Griezmann had. He was the best attack. He was arguably the best attacker in the last World Cup and he's here, he's the best midfielder. Is that has that surprised you given, you know, sort of the poorly timed tactical decisions he's made in his club career? He could end up with as many international trophies as club trophies for a player like him. Uh, if you if if France are to win the World Cup. So talk to me a little bit more about the importance of Antoine Griezmann and probably, you know, tell us a bit more about what we're not seeing, you know, from a, you know, ardent France perspective. 
I think Griezmann has been spectacular. I think he's probably one of the players of the tournament. I mean, if unless Messi or Mbappé get a hat trick in the final, I think he should get player of the tournament. Griezmann, it's I like the point that you make about the experience uh, of this French team because the worry for France at the beginning of the World Cup was the spine, was Hugo Lloris, Raphael Varane, Antoine Griezmann and Olivier Giroud because between the injuries, the lack of form of uh, of Loris and even Griezmann uh, recent in recent months, we just didn't know what we were going to to get from those players, and they've all been spectacular. Loris have done all the saves that you need. Varane, after his uh, first missed game or, or recovering from an injury, has been a real leader, and of course Griezmann uh, has been spectacular, and so has been Giroud. Antoine Griezmann and his new role, I think, on one end, I'm I'm surprised about how well he adapted. Uh, on the other hand, I'm not surprised about how, how well he played. I mean, we're talking about a player that in 2018 was, you know, a, probably a very strong candidate for the Ballon d'Or, having won the Europa League uh, and then the World Cup, and then sort of missed his chance, and then the transfer to Barcelona didn't work out, then coming back to Atletico Madrid didn't work out to start with. And then you could see that the guy had a chip on his shoulder and wanted to prove the world that he was as good as it used to be and that he can come back to that level. And in that World Cup, I think he showed just that. He's, he's a self-confessed um, you know, lover of the Diego Simeone's football. And that's kind of what Deschamps is asking him to do right now. He's just becoming this, this rugged defensive player who hasn't lost anything of his technique. So now you see him, we see him against England uh, with Judd Bellingham. Every time Bellingham had the ball, Griezmann was either getting the ball or the ankle, happily, happily committing four or five fouls in the first half. And that's something that we haven't seen from him before. So he's transformed himself into that number eight, almost sometimes number six. I mean, he's headed ball out of the box. He's been everywhere in that competition. But then when he has the ball, he's also the guy who's organizing uh, French's attack, who knows exactly where to find Mbappé, where to find Dembélé, and who is looked for by the rest of the team as well. They want to find Griezmann because they know he's got the technique to be able to make the right decision and keep the ball. So he's been everywhere. I mean, Pogba, after the game against Morocco, um, put put a post on Instagram writing uh, Griezmann-Kante. And I think that's exactly that. Griezmann is taking the role that Kante had in the 2018 World Cup because they needed this, because, you know, without Rabiot, they missed a bit of that experience in the middle. Uh, and Chouameni, for all the talent that he has, probably misses a little bit of that experience to, to, to get there. Talking about the final itself and your points about Argentina and what we think France will do, um, sort of as, you know, as somebody who follows France football a lot, um, you know, I think Argentina has a plan. I think that plan is called Lionel Messi. I think the team has been built around Lionel Messi uh, with people that basically don't mind defending so that the, the genius that Messi is can just play football. Uh, they've, they've added a couple of players that can, you know, surprise with their technique. Julian Alvarez is a very lethal finisher, as we've seen. Um, Enzo Fernandez has been very surprising in the middle, I think, uh, for a, a guy his age. But basically, around Messi, it's people who are happy to sacrifice themselves and then just give the ball to um, the sexy Ballon d'Or and let him do his thing. Whereas that Friend... is not the case, uh, largely with France. You think, you know, it's coming down to a Messi versus Mbappe showdown. Mbappe has been a selfless presence for France. If he's locked out of the game, he'll find other ways to cause chaos. 
or if Deschamps will put in, you know, someone like Makatsuam and let Mbappe come into the center. It's it. I I feel like I cut you off there, but is that is that the difference that France are the whole team? The whole team is the weapon. Yeah, I agree, and I was I was getting to that point. So it, it was uh, yeah, good, good segue right week. Indeed, you know, Mbappe has been given that sort of uh, I guess messy treatment a little bit from France, saying you don't have to defend that much because we have Theo Hernandez and we have Rabiot who can cover. But also the team comes first. So in, in 2021, you know, at the Euro, I think Deschamps got a bit taken aback by having to deal with that many egos. You know, Mbappe thinking that now that he's a world champion and, and plays for Paris, that he should be taking all the set pieces, etc. And then Benzema coming back on and having to deal with arguably the best player in the world in your team now. Um, then in 2022, I think Deschamps learned from those mistakes. Uh, and probably had, uh, I guess, a very serious chat with Mbappe and telling him that if you want to be the player that you want to be, you need to understand that there's 13 or 26 of you and not just yourself. So you're going to have to work for the team. And I think they've they've done that very well because even when Mbappe is doing what he does, which is using his speed and his skills to create chaos, he's always looking for a solution up front. Now we've seen how much he's celebrated the goal scored by Giroud. Uh, I mean, you know, last year at the Euro, we were we were seeing none of that. And, and I would even, you know, happily put my hand up to say that I was worried about Mbappe and, and his tantrums in, in that locker room because for a team to win, the, it needs to be a team. It needs to be a collective. So I feel like in Argentina, you have a country, a team, a staff, playing for Messi, who they want to give that trophy to Messi. They gave him the Copa America. They want to give him the World Cup. And in France, instead, you have a group who just wants to show the rest of the world that as a team, you can win. I mean, you know, four years ago when France beat Belgium, everybody's crying, celebrating. We've made it. This this year, two days ago, when they beat Morocco, the, the post-press conference, it's all serious faces, serious chats, no time to be happy. We're just here to look at the final. We're focused. We're in our game already. Uh, and I think it'll be it'll be a superb match. Messi is one of the best players that we've ever seen, but he's not a very good defender. And he's going to be on the side of Theo Hernandez, who is one of the most offensive left back that you had. So there you're going to have something that Scaloni has to look at. On the French side, you might not have to ask yourself who's defending because everyone is. So th that could be an advantage that France has. If if you ask me, it's going to be a lot of goals, um, despite the good defenses that we both of so. <laughs> Yeah, I think it'll be a lot of them. But you know, talking about the teams, there's uh, there was something that was really funny. A thought that occurred to me. It's it mirrors what you were talking about at the end of the last Euros that we just had last year. It's not even that long ago. It's yeah. not like it was ancient history. There was a flashpoint on um, France's. I would say France's footballs. Um, favorite uh, poll of criticism. And so it's, 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 it's an odd thing. It's a woman. Her name is Veronique Rabiot. She is Adrian Rabiot's mother and she is his agent as well, causing all sorts of rumored chaos. I guess those rumors have been proven right. But it's such a funny thought looking at Rabiot's absence in that midfield versus Morocco. You could tell especially from the first half that they were missing that ball-carrying player. And it's, 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 it is why this game of football is so beautiful that in one year, I'm saying to myself, and probably some pundits are saying to themselves, is that this game could come down to Rabio being fit. Adrian uh -huh. Rabio has been a revelation. You know, you talk about Loris 
honestly should be in the conversation for keeper of the year. The stop on that overhead kick from the midfielder of Morocco. Yeah. I'm forgetting his name. That was incredible. Everybody was talking about the finish and being that close. He got a hand to it on the lower part of his on the right side of his goal. That is an incredibly difficult save to make as someone who's played as a goalkeeper all his life. I can attest to that. But, you know, coming back to those type of players who hold up for France is Arjun Rabiot has been amazing, sort of in that Bly-Smartweedy role. You know, a lot of people talk about Pogba and Kante and how their absence affects the team. Matuidi, especially you saw, you know, in the Euros last time, you're missing that engine, that ball-carrying engine that can take the pressure off Griezmann to let him do his own thing or come back and let Shuamani, uh, you know, get near the box and being able to um, score the goals like he did uh, against uh, Mahoko. But it's such a weird thing coming to Rabio, and I hope that, you know, Rabio is getting the recognition that he so richly deserves, especially given um, Juventus's complete turnaround in Serie A, where they are now the third best team after being a joke in the start of the season. Um, would you believe that Adrian Rabiot, if he doesn't make it, which would be heartbreaking, would that be a problem for someone like Fofana? Yes, he performed admirably against Morocco, but there's always that question. He doesn't have a long storied career in France and he's up against one of the best midfields of the World Cup. And yeah, he happens to be starting in the World Cup final. You know, that it, it sort of reminds me of Christopher Kramer, if you can remember, eight years ago, starting for uh, Germany in midfield. He looked completely out of sorts. And then, obviously, he had that unfortunate incident where um, he got concussed. But it, it, it honestly showed that, you know, having that sort of non-experienced presence in midfield, however good they are, the occasion could get the best of them. Do you believe that France as a unit are strong enough that no player will succumb to that pressure? Or do you feel like Rabiot's fitness and Rabiot's participation could be a big boost for France? Yeah, I, th I think there's definitely France with and without him. Um, I think we saw it against Morocco. He brings an, a level of experience and a level of, um, I guess, safety in the middle that all of a sudden we didn't have, you know, Fofana is more used to play as a real centre mid and not necessarily, um, you know, sort of playing a bit more on the wing. And you you mentioned it, Matuidi's role was crucial in 2018. Rabiot definitely slotting in that. His technique, his left foot, his ability to, to go and go and play on the left wing just behind Mbappe so he can combine with him, but also cover for Theo Hernandez and then come back in the middle of the park to help. Uh, he's unmatched right now in France. So I do believe that there's a, a with and without Rabiot uh, in that French team and that if he misses out the final, it'll be a, a big a big issue, I think, for, for France because it changes their tactic and then they are not able to counter-attack as, as efficiently as they would with him. With all due respect to Fofana, he, you can see that when you have Fofana and Chouameni, uh, you have two players that were playing in Ligue 1 last year and Fofana is still in Ligue 1 this year. So there's a little bit of little bit of luck in, in that experience and in that gamesmanship, I guess, that, that Rabiot brings in. Rabiot refused to play four years ago because he was called in reserve. And now you see him uh, as, as one of the starters for the potential starter for the final. It's also show again, uh, you know, the smarts and, and the lack of ego from Didier Deschamps, who's just here to win. It doesn't matter the circumstances, it doesn't matter the past. He just wants to line up the best team to get there. Uh, so, and I hope that, I hope that Rabiot will, will work. I think the fact that his mom calmed down probably also helped him a lot uh, to just be able to focus on the football and, and to be able to just express himself 
the, the best way he does. I mean, at Juventus right now, he is probably the best player. At least he's the most consistent. Um, so he is developing as as a superstar midfielder and hopefully he keeps the, the trajectory um, up there. We need him, I think, for the final because he's going to be close to where Messi is and he doesn't mind, you know, um, going to play a bit physical and he would have the both the speed and the football IQ to understand what Messi tries to do when he gets the ball. Um, so I hope that he plays because I think he'll be a big factor for that final. And, and you know, kudos to him. He's got a, he comes up at being a bit of a kid genius when he was in Paris as this uh, future superstar that then disappointed uh, and then was talked more about non-football stuff than football stuff. So seeing him now praised for his technique, his IQ, um, and his ability to just be a great team player. Uh, all that, I think, is a, is a great story for France as a whole and for uh, Adrien Rabiot particularly. And that sort of brings me to, you know, the, the larger question here about French legacy, um, in the sense that if you look at the past, well, let's take it back just to 2000. We won't include 1998 because I feel like there was a shift uh, once the millennium started. Won the Euros, were in a final of a Euros, won the World Cup, in another final of a World Cup, and another final of a World Cup, I believe I was uh, missing out 2006 in my mind. That's mm-hmm. five final appearances for France. They have been, whereas, whereas you know, Spain take the plaudits for that three back-to-back-to-back victories. I feel like France as a force in football is sort of understated in the way that they don't play flashy. They put their feet down, have individual players and get the get the work done as a whole. I know people still, it takes time for that to get recognized. It takes time for people like Emmanuel Petit, Marcel Desailly, even uh, Thierry Henry and, you know, a host of other people I'm forgetting, Sadoff, is just coming to my mind. Um, France football should get the just plaudits it deserves for achieving what they have in the 21st century and Didier Deschamps as well. And there is, there is, this sort of unsaid confirmation that this will be this will be it for Deschamps in the sense that there is a very large likelihood that win or lose, this will be Deschamps' curtain call. And what he's managed to build and rebuild here at France, I remember the home Euros ended with huge disappointment as well, but, you know, a lot of those players, Mathieu Valbuena, you know, Nusa Sissoko, um, Samuel Umtiti, you know, these players came in, had their moment, went out, a new crop of players came in, they had their moment, they went out and coming back again. This ability to cut, chop, change and reform, it's that French footballing identity which was earlier defined by infighting and chaos. You know, you talk a lot about Garrett Southgate bringing the club culture to the English national team, building a form of unity. It's what I feel that Deschamps has done even better with France because he's taken the horse to water and made a drink and made a drink the whole damn lake. It's it's incredible what he's managed to achieve. And I I feel like win or lose, he'll still go down in history as, you know, one of France football's biggest figures. I, I, I would place his legacy maybe up there with Zidane in terms of what he's brought to football in France, both as a player, as a, all three, as a player, captain and a coach. Um, so, you know, this comes to France as a nation and how they're going to go forward. You know, we thought it was a foregone conclusion when they won the World Cup last year, looking at, you know, the depth they had, especially at centre-back and central midfield, that they'd be cruising through this competition. 
given all the injuries, given the performance in the last Euros, they've still come back and they've still renewed that sense of hope. You know, speak to me from a Frenchman's perspective as to, you know, how this team has been able to sort of galvanize and, you know, restart another, well, it's it, it's going to sound very cheesy to say another French revolution, but does the France team and, you know, the multicultural aspects they represent, how does that rub off on French society? And what would a win here mean for the nation of France? You know, they obviously are experienced in celebrating it. They did win it last time, but this time feels different. Would this victory, you know, ring even louder and would even like bring together the nation of France? Is there a chance of, you know, that even remotely happening? Yeah, I think we're... Hey, we're definitely blessed. Um, it's been a, like it's been a crazy twenty-five something years. I mean, I'm I'm a bit older than that. So my first French jersey that didn't have any stars on it, and now there's a chance that the next one I buy uh, around Christmas has three stars on it. So it's it's been a wild ride, um, and it's been amazing to be able to witness this um, in in one's lifetime. Uh, I think the legacy, you know, can can clearly be centered around Deschamps because he's been there for all those successes. But I think it's a uh, it's a pretty large conversation. Whereas from I'd say ever since the 90s, the French formation has been lauded and the French youth has been, you know, some of the most thought after everywhere in Europe, where every time you have a player who can you know, have 10 good games in Liga, all of a sudden he's going to go to Premier League or the Bundesliga or Serie A or La Liga for record amount, record amount of transfers. And we see that those players, you know, play in France, develop themselves, go and play overseas, grab that experience, grab this, you know, improvement in their technical skills and in their physicality, and then they come back to the national team under coaches that are able to I guess, make them whole as a unit. One thing that Deschamps does really well is only getting players that have already played in Champions League, that have already played overseas because he needs them to have more than just the French formation, which is usually, you know, sort of based on technique and tactic, but to also get the physicality that they'll get when they play outside of Liga. And I think that's probably the biggest legacy of this past 20, 25 years is that although France is an amazing place to sort of, you know, develop this talent, then they go overseas to get something else that they're missing, usually being the physicality, really, that's probably the one thing, and then bringing it back to the nation, which then shows the young kids that are playing for France that are still playing Ligue 1, that this is what they lack to be able to compete at that level. And then those guys go out. So, you know, on one hand, you can say, oh, then that means the French formation isn't that good because there's one trick that's missing. Yet you got somebody who runs the team, Didier Deschamps, who recognize what's not there. And so he's only going to find the players that already have that so they can come and bring it. So, so, so the legacy for France is that we have the talent. We have an unbelievable amount of talent in and around the big cities where football is just religion. And then those players wherever they come from, wherever they end up playing, they just come back, wear that blue jersey and give their 100% to give us the, the trophy. And that's 
that is amazing. I don't know that we'll ever see a generation like this. Every tournament, we're thinking that it's the end of that generation or that, you know, the new players that are coming in won't gel enough. And, you know, we've had our accidents 2000, um, 2002, 2010. Uh, so like every other team, we've struggled sometimes, but then we've redeveloped into a winning team because we put the right person in the right place. You mentioned Deschamps. In, in his last tournament, you know, with what just happened, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually stays because now there are conversations that maybe he should stay until 2024 and do the Euro and potentially help supervise the Olympic Games because they are in Paris in 2024, which was point, yes. it was never ever in question before this tournament. It was always going to be Deschamps' last tournament. It was always going to be Zidane taking over in January. And now, four games in, it's like, well, why would we get rid of Didier Deschamps when all he does is win? And even when he loses, like at the Euro 2021, it's still, you know, sort of like with Panache. Um, so why would we... The ability that was missing from France before him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so you know, why, why would we get rid of him? And all of a sudden, you got the president who's here and who's singing the praise of the coach as well. So... You know, I think I was the first one to say Deschamps is gone, he's gone after the World Cup, and if we win, he's gone on a high. Uh, you know, I think maybe he's going to be here for a for a bit longer, and he's going to help build that legacy. I mean, if we're the first team since Brazil to win two World Cups in a row, uh, Deschamps is going to have statues of him all over all over France, uh, and probably <laughs> you know, probably get inducted in some Hall of Fame somewhere uh, because of of his achievement and because. We talked about the experience in that squad. There's five players that were here for the final in 2018, which means there are six players that weren't even in the group in 2018 and that have come in, gelled well, and helped that team go forward. So that means that he can do it with almost any squad. So it all revolves around him. But I think Griezmann, Mbappé, Giroud, Varane, Yoris, sure, the star of the team might well be Didier Deschamps. Uh, and, and the legacy of us is we have the talent. But we've also have the management skills to be able to put that talent together. And if France can get another trophy, it'll be probably uh, you know seen as seen as the way we've seen the Netherlands in the 70s under Cruyff, or or Brazil before that under Pelé. Um, you know th those 15 to 20 years where it was just talent and talent and talent, and where you can't imagine a team to be anywhere else than in the the last four of any tournament, like Spain 10 years ago, for example. Uh, the only difference is us, it, it's intergenerational, which is something very, very special for all the French fans. That was a very interesting uh, parable you drew there, Jeremy. And I'd sort of leave it to continuing that thought. That's why I'd leave the viewers with as the front two of France, Kylian Mbappe and Olivier Giroud are a symbol that hard work in any form will be rewarded by Didier Deschamps. Whereas Kylian Mbappe came from the Clairefontaine Academy, the famed academy, where he was able to, you know, have a successful launch pad. Olivier Giroud had to fight from Grenoble to all the other lower league teams that he went into. He had to fight. He had to get his position in. He won the league, Liga, and then at the peak of his career, he shipped it to Arsenal. And as you had mentioned, Jeremy, he was able to develop that physicality, that physicality, that sense of purpose against taller defenders, being able to round your game out from being a poacher in the box to being a great header of the ball, to being a great counter-attacking forward, to being the whole package to rise to the occasion when your name needed it 
France are a team where hard work is rewarded, where everyone plays for each other and plays for the manager as well. It isn't one team that is focused on giving the championship to one big player or giving a second championship to one big player. They want to win it for the nation and I believe, equally importantly, want to win it for Deschamps. Deschamps, you could say, doesn't need it, but he deserves this second World Cup. And that's sort of where it comes to a head. Um, where Didier Deschamps' legacy will not live or die by this moment. It will be informed in pages and tributes even after this team is done. What this team has achieved has been unique. What this team has achieved has been incredible. And they stand at the precipice of doing the impossible. We've seen, even before Zidane, how difficult it was to win back-to-back Champions Leagues. Winning back-to-back World Cups is an even taller order. And France have done it, and France have made it look not that difficult. Hasn't looked easy, but hasn't been that difficult. So will France be able to create history, or will they stand in the way of destiny as Lionel Messi's Argentina vie for the title? Thank you for being part of the Road to Qatar journey. It's been a great one. We will have one episode uh, recapping the World Cup again. Thank you again to Jeremy. You can catch Jeremy as soon as Ligue 1 resumes in uh, January at the Catalanian Podcast, available on wherever you get podcasts. Uh, Just type in Breaking the Lines and it'll pop up. Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank you so much for being a part of uh, our World Cup coverage. Uh, Hope to hear from you soon as well. And for me, it's a good night. Enjoy the game and we'll see you again.